What you're about to hear is a reflection given by Father Brian Norton, Jesuit priest, at a holy hour that was celebrated here at St. Basil the Great on the theme of drawing your loved one back to the church. The reflection is based on the gospel of the lost sheep, which can be found in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Also at this holy hour, we handed out a packet of practical resources for drawing your loved one back to the church. And you can find an electronic copy of that on our website at basilthegreat.org return. So you can download that packet for free at basilthegreat.org return. Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Dear friends, just how do we draw our loved ones back to the church? It's a deep and burning question, one that cuts to the quick of each one of our hearts, one that cuts to the quick of the heart of the church, and it's one that draws us together this evening. And we thank you and thank God uh, for your presence and for your prayers in solidarity tonight, for your own loved ones, for loved ones of friends. Uh, We all know them, we all have them and we pray with and for them on this night. We know that, of course, uh, there are no easy answers to that question. We're not going, although we are going to be armed with good resources leaving from here, and hopefully with a deeper sense of God's grace in our own hearts, that there are no easy, ready-made recipes or formulas to resolve that deep and burning question. And I think we actually need to be wary against proposing them. But what I think we can do is rely upon a few basic principles, some key insights uh, that will be highlighted uh, already in in this gospel. I'd like to highlight three, and they all begin with ours. Uh, Remember, resist, and rely. Remember, resist, and rely. Friends, let's remember first and foremost That God is in control. The primacy and the priority of God's grace. Sometimes we can think, well, if only God's grace were working in the heart of so-and-so. Friends, let's not forget that as our tradition has constantly taught us, as the Second Vatican Council reminds us, that God's grace works mysteriously in the depths of each human heart in ways that we cannot see. That God's thoughts are not our thoughts. That God's ways are not our ways. The primacy and the priority of God's grace. And let's not forget too that ours is a God who labors, who is at work, who leaves the 99 for the lost sheep. Sometimes I think we can have an image of God who's just twiddling his thumbs. And sometimes we can say to God, what are you doing for this person or for that person? Friends, let's trust that God is already at work in the lives and in the hearts of the people whom we love. And Father Walt's example of his own brother with which we opened is a great testament to that. God's grace precedes us always. God's grace precedes us always. The first thing to remember. The second thing to remember, I think, is the context. That, again, is already evoked by Father Walt. There are lots of reasons Some of them pretty good and compelling why our loved ones are not coming to church anymore. 
We live in a world that is uh, increasingly post-Christian, increasingly secular, where going to Mass on Sundays, and goodness, on weekdays, is becoming as outdated and outmoded, seemingly, as written checks and landline phones. We live in a culture where faith and reason are being more and more separated from one another and pitted against one another. Friends, these are the, the, the waters in which we all swim and the forces at work which can easily lead our loved ones to think, you know what? Going to church just isn't all that important anymore. To say nothing, of course, of the crisis of credibility and authority and witness that we are really being rocked by in our own church today, not just in our diocese, in our state, in our country, but throughout the world. Friends, there are lots of good reasons that our loved ones have been given for not going to church anymore. And I think we need to remember that so that we don't fall into the self-righteousness of which Jesus speaks and for which the scribes and the Pharisees are condemned. So let's remember the primacy of God's grace. Let's remember the context, the world in which we live today, the church in which we live today. And finally, let's remember too, our commonality. Friends, we're all lost sheep. If we're here today, it's because God has already in his goodness searched us out and found us and put us on his shoulders. We are all sinners in need of God's grace, in need of continual repentance and conversion, in need of being continually found and refound and refound again by the Lord. This remembrance, I hope, can help us put ourselves in the same boat, as it were, with our loved ones. We're all in need of a Savior. We're all in need of God's grace. We've all wandered. We've all been lost. And if we're here tonight, it's by the grace of God. Yes, working on our own goodwill and our own response, but that grace of God which precedes us, friends, we're in, in many ways, the same boat. We're all lost sheep. We're all lost coins, to use the next parable uh, that comes in Luke. So that's the first thing, that the first R. Those things, I think, that can help us if we just remember. The primacy of God's grace, the context, and our commonality. The second R is to resist then. Remembering these things can, I hope and pray, help us to resist certain temptations, certain snares. The first, of course, is that of despair. This is what the evil spirit, which St. Ignatius dubs the enemy of our human nature, the devil. This is what the evil forces in the world and in our church want to lead us to do, is to despair, that it's over, to write certain people off, to lose hope. Friends, we cannot do that. We have to resist the temptation to despair. God is never, ever, ever done with us yet. There's always hope. We live in hope. In in hope we are saved, St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Romans. In hope we are saved. So let's resist that temptation to despair. Let's resist the temptation of the scribes and the Pharisees to fall into that self-righteousness where we start throwing labels and separating the goats and the sheep. Sheep. Rather, I believe that the plural of sheep is sheep. Let's also resist, if we go then to the end of Luke 15 with the prodigal son, let's resist the temptation to be filled with the resentment and the bitterness and the coldness and the suspicion of the older brother. 
Because those of us who have stayed in the church, as it were, who are doing what we're supposed to be doing, who are being good Christians, can easily cast that evil eye of the older brother upon the father, upon his household, and upon the younger brother. Friends, let's resist that temptation. And finally, and perhaps I'd say most importantly, let's resist the temptation to fix people. To turn people into projects. Friends, this is perhaps the best way to drive our loved ones away, is to try to manipulate, to get control of the situation ourselves, to fix them. And I think that Father Jenny's response with his brother really models the posture of prayer and hope, but giving people space and time. Friends, this takes space and this takes time. There's another great story in the confession, St. Augustine, who was lost, as it were, a lost sheep for the better part of 20 years. His mother, Monica, also a saint, Augustine in his confessions, he credits his conversion to the tears of his mother. And at one point early on, when he was still quite far from the church, Monica ran to a bishop and she says, you know what, I need you to talk to my son. I, just, I need you, would you please just talk to my son? And he says, well, tell me a bit about him. Where is he in his journey of faith? What's going on? And she told him, and he said, he's not ready. If I were to intervene right now, it would just push him further and further away. But he gave Monica a great assurance. He said, my dear woman and mother, the son of tears such as yours will surely not be lost. The son of tears such as yours will surely not be lost. What a great hope and consolation to us. And a reminder, friends, that before the throne of grace, that our tears are perhaps the most efficacious and powerful way that we can show God our love and show our loved ones our love in a hidden way in the depths of our hearts. Finally, then, this leads us to the third and final R. Remember, resist, and ultimately rely, of course, on the grace of God. Rely on the advocates that he has given to us. Of course, the Holy Spirit, who is continually called the advocate, the defender in the Gospels. It will be given to you what to say in that moment, in that moment of grace by the Holy Spirit, to be constantly invoking the Holy Spirit, praying to the Holy Spirit for this person, for that person, our loved ones. Let's not forget too that Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. He sits at the right hand and He's not up there twiddling His thumbs, friends. He's there interceding as the great high priest for us and for our families. So let's not be afraid to call upon Him as the great intercessor, the great high priest, our Savior and our Shepherd for this person and that person in our lives. Remember to call upon, to rely upon our advocates, patron saints, guardian angels. It may sound silly, one of my favorite prayers for people, you know that guardian angel prayer? I pray it every time before I drive, O angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light, to guard, to rule and guide. To pray that for this or that person. This is what Peter Faber, one of the earliest Jesuits, did. He said, whenever I go into a town, the first thing that I do is I call upon the guardian angels of the citizens of that town. Do we believe that? That God sends us angels? And let's not be afraid to ask God to send angels into the lives. Angel is just a Greek word that means messenger, folks. So to send messengers into the lives of our loved ones. Because if our loved ones are going to be drawn back to the church, it's probably going to be through an angel that is other than ourselves. Because we're just too close and it's just too complicated. 
So let's not be afraid to call upon the intercession of the saints, of the angels, to ask for angels, and of course, to call upon the intercession of our mother, Mary. She whose heart was pierced from the very beginning of Christ's life. Woman, your son is set for the rise and the fall of many in Israel. He will be a sign that will be contradicted, which we all know, and your own heart will be pierced. Friends, if we're here tonight, it's probably because our our own hearts have been pierced by this love, by this wound of love, by this cross in our lives. And so we turn to our mother Mary and ask that she do what she always does, that she places us at the side of Jesus that she places us and our loved ones at the side of Jesus. Let's not be afraid to, when we say the Hail Mary, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for Ted or Joe or Mary or Donna, now and at the hour of her death or his death. Amen. To substitute the name of our loved ones into the very Hail Mary, placing them with Jesus. Friends, we live in hope. We know that ultimately... Uh, The answer to that deep and burning question is Jesus Christ and his love and his grace and his mercy. Uh, And so now we do the most important thing, which is to bring our hearts, our tears before him in this time of prayer. We pray that you come, Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts for worship. Lead us into worship. Lead us and our loved ones back to the heart of the church and lead us all together one day to the halls of heaven. Amen. St. Basil the Great. Mary, Mother of the Church. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.